welcome back to the Stick 'Em Up podcast. Brundy, how are you doing today? Uh, doing pretty good. You know, we took a uh, weekend off for some family time and uh, kind of let all the craziness of the NHL free agency uh, happen. And, you know, now we're, we're back and ready to, uh, to break some of this down, I think. Yeah, had a big golf tournament. Good stuff out there. We came in second place. That, was, that we did. That, that we good. did. That was huge. huge Not as huge, huge as some of the... the yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Not as huge as some of these, uh, these signings here we had on... Um, mo- most of them kind of coming from uh, the first day of, of free agency, July 1st here. But even the, the next couple of days after that, there's a couple other uh, big signings that are... That are that are pretty interesting ones, I would say. Yeah, there was a there was a couple throughout the next week that trickled in. They've they've slowed down pretty good over the past, I don't know, two or three days. Yeah, but, uh, like you know, July fifth, uh, there was only five signings um, throughout the day, and and two of them even being uh, just guys re-signing with their uh, original uh, teams, and then July fourth, there was only three, and. There's only a, a handful on the third, so like, yeah, really, it was mostly between the first and second day that we really got uh, a lot of the big signings uh, made so far. Yeah, but uh, do we want to just uh, go alphabetically down through the teams? Yeah, let's just dive headfirst right in here. Who are we starting right. off with? Uh, well, first we got the Ducks, and so they made the some. Ducks... They made some good. Well, I wouldn't say good moves, but big moves, I would say. Yeah, I think, I think for they, some of their deals are a bit rich for a competing team. But I think just to keep some guys around while they're going through the rebuild, I think it's, I think it's uh, some decent signings. Yeah, like r- r- really the, the two notable ones are um, Killorn signing a four-year deal and then Gouda signing a three-year deal deal with the ducks um i mean i, I know you're you're a big killorn fan and it hurts you know seeing him leave tampa um i'm yeah. not a huge fan of this deal like it, i mean good for killorn for you know going out there and getting the bag that that he deserves at this stage in his career um but i, I don't like that deal for the ducks at all really i think i think it's a decent deal for them I think that he he's going to bring some scoring and veteran leadership to a team that 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 deal like there's no way the Ducks are contenders in the next two years, like maybe in three no. or four. But in the first two years of that deal, it's the cap hit isn't going to matter. So no. I think that totally becomes a problem near the end. At which point, you know, you can you can trade that away and retain for some pretty good assets, or you can. Just get rid of it to someone else if you really need to. I think yeah, I think it's good on yeah. them. I think four years is about the perfect length for something like this. Anymore, like if it was five or six, then I think it would be hampering their future. But I think uh, I think it'll be good enough for them. Yeah, my only my first thought when I saw the Killorn signing was just I I would be I'd be shocked if he plays the final fourth year of that deal just because like you said anaheim's you know they're they're really going through a rebuild right now um 
there's there's not a winning culture there at all. Like it's it's very apparent. I mean, they no. lost the final, you know, thirteen games of the regular season. Um, you know, people will, will will say, yeah, they were purposely tanking for Bedard, but again, that team doesn't have someone who's a natural born leader that can, um, you know, really take a hold of that team. And maybe Killorn can kind of fill that role. But yeah, in, in you know three, maybe four years when they're kind of coming out of that rebuild, they're really going to want to utilize all their cap space towards building a contender and you know paying six point two five to Killorn when you know at that stage he'll be thirty six, thirty seven in that range. It, it might be yeah. a little bit rich, so I, I'd be kind of shocked if he uh, if he finishes out that uh, that final year of his contract there. Yeah, I definitely think he probably gets moved in year four, three, maybe even three, if they yeah. see a drastic turnaround. But yeah. most likely year four. Uh, the Ducks also signed Radko Gudis to a three-year contract. Yeah, that that one's more manageable because it's three years, so it kind of fits right in the window. Um, you know that, and that's exactly the type of player that that the Ducks need. They need that kind of. Um, when, when I say anchor, I don't mean like, you know, hindering the team. Like, I mean, a good stable kind of force on the blue line. You know um, exactly what you're getting from Radko Gudis. E- exactly. And especially after seeing what he did, you know, uh, th- throughout kind of the uh, tail end of um, the regular season last year. And then through the playoffs with Florida, you're like, you know, the kind of guy you're getting. You're just now we know you're not going to get to see that uh, Radko Gudis beast in the playoffs for for a while. Yeah. But, you know, well, I mean, he, he got paid, and I'm, I'm, the Ducks had, had a lot of cap space to work with, so if Gudis was, if it was the money that mattered most to him, the Ducks were the perfect choice for him because I, d- I don't think he'd be getting any more money from any other team. Yeah, I definitely think money's probably his biggest factor at this point because he's, I think he's on his fifth team now. Started with yeah. Tampa, the Philly, Washington, Florida, and now the Ducks. So, yeah, you know, he's bounced around a lot, but when he's in demand. Yeah, exactly right. So, you know, can't, can't blame the guy for going out there and uh, getting what he feels like he's worth. All right. We got uh, quite a few signings here with Arizona. I don't know how many of them are too uh, newsworthy. But uh, definitely the biggest of them looks to be uh, Jason Zucker signing a one-year contract with him. Yeah, that one was that one was odd to me. Like, obviously, you know, I think kind of everybody got the sense, um, you know, back at the deadline last year, they moved Bukestad and Stetcher. Um, but those guys very clearly liked being in Arizona, and they made it very open that they'd be willing to go back. And it's not the first time Arizona's done this where, you know, they move guys at the deadline for assets and then those players come back in free agency. Um, but the Zucker one was, even the, the Alex Kerfoot one signing a two-year deal, both of those were, were quite big surprises to me. Yeah, I definitely think it's, I mean, it's almost always surprising when, when guys sign in Arizona, you know. Like, I got to imagine it's a great place to be, but... Uh... You know, NHL franchise-wise, it, it's uh, it's surprising that a lot of guys would choose to go there. But I do yeah. like all, pretty much all the signings they did make. Yeah, and and even more so, I think the the biggest surprise more than anything is the fact that 
the Coyotes are actually going to, are putting money towards players who are actually going to play for them. Like the last, you know, five years or so, every year it's constantly, you know, they're getting picks and prospects back to bring in, you know, all these guys that are, that are on LTIR and are are never going to play again, unfortunately. And that's kind of what the Coyotes have mostly been known for in recent years. Um, So to see them actually take a different approach and, you know, go out and bring in guys to help make them better for next year, make them more competitive. And hopefully that's um, part of a plan to, you know, help keep the Coyotes in uh, Arizona long term. So, you know, I think that's kind of the path that they're uh, they're on right now with that. Yeah, you know, it uh, with some of the young guys they got coming up, it the team has some promise for the first time in a long time, honestly. And uh, yeah. hopefully they can get their, you know, their franchise and their arena situation all, all figured out. Because, uh, you know, between guys like uh, Logan Cooley, you know, they, uh, they, Clayton Keller, they got some, some real talent coming up. Yeah, they've, they've got, you know, the tools and the pieces now. They just need to find a way to actually get these all, you know, I mean, Keller's already locked up, but a guy like Logan Cooley... You got to find a way to make him actually be excited about going to Arizona and want to go there and be be a part of of that organization. They got to figure out all those uh, all those major issues they're currently going through first, I think. And if signing these guys can help uh, create the the reasoning behind keeping the Coyotes in Arizona, that's that's a big step in uh, propelling them forward because they have an, a good um, group of prospects coming up in the next couple years. Yeah, they're uh, they have the promise. We'll see if they can put it together. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Boston Bruins. Ooh, busy. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't I don't love it, but they uh, I they made some good moves. I think. I I'm a, I'm a fan of of the the moves they made. Um, I I think more than anything, like obviously, you know. You, you can say, you know, they made great signings with uh, J- JVR, you know, bringing Lucic back, Shattenkirk, um, even bringing in Geeky, like, are all great additions. The, the biggest problem I have with Boston is I don't feel like they did their due diligence properly um, leading up to, um, you know, e- even just before the draft. Because, you know, we previously talked about Taylor Hall being traded, and that was a big part of them wanting to keep Tyler Bertuzzi around because obviously Bertuzzi's younger. Um, he plays more of that Boston-style hockey. He brings that physical aspect that they really liked from him. But then they lose him in free agency. And so it's like now you basically lost Hall and Bertuzzi for nothing when in reality you could have actually kept Hall around longer term and potentially even maybe moved him next year at the draft or you know the deadline or something and you could have actually maybe gotten something back for him and so that was kind of a big big l on boston's part but i guess you know throughout recent months i guess they're kind of used to taking big l's so just add another one to the list there for him yeah that's it's it's wild how different their team is going to look this year to uh, to next yeah. year you know there, that entire top six, you know, Bertuzzi, Hall, Krejci, and Bergeron still. We don't know if either of them are coming back to play another year. I got to imagine yeah, if they um, do, they're playing in Boston. 
unless, you know, another team just chucks money at him. Yeah, and 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 even, you know, um they they lost Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway, who they, you know, went out and made a big move for for them at the deadline. Um you know, Hathaway's, you know, I think Hathaway's kind of replaced by Lucic um, or JVR, whatever yeah. role you want to have him kind of play in there. But losing Orlov does hurt their their blue line. But at the end of the day, there was no way they could afford Orlov given uh, what Caroline assigned him to, uh, which we'll get to uh, coming up. Yeah, soon we'll here. yeah we'll we'll talk about that because that was a that was a big contract. But in terms of who Boston's brought in, I love it for him. In terms of what they've lost and had and gave up, I I, I think the, you know it's it's been a tough uh, tough off season for them all around. Yeah. All right, moving on to the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, they were kind of quiet. A lot of smaller deals, nothing nothing too big, but there's a there's a few in here, I suppose. Is that uh, oh, that's Kale Clegg. Yeah, really. Yeah, the only really, the only real much. ones. I mean, they brought uh, Tyson Jost back. Um, you know, kind of just a depth guy for maybe a fourth line. Maybe he can, you know, if he impresses, maybe squeak up into like a third line role. Um, they bring yeah. in veteran Eric Johnson, which I mean, that's you know, that, again, that's just another great veteran guy. That's a great guy to have on the blue line with young guys like Owen Power and. Um, Darlene and what's what's the other guy Samuelson like we, you know we, we've just heard all these great things about what Eric Johnson was able to do um you know for guys like Kale McCarr and uh Bowen Byram so you know now to have him with Buffalo and and I'm huge I, I'm a very high on Buffalo you know going into this next season I think Eric Johnson's just going to do wonders for those young guys back there yeah, I definitely think they're going to take a step up. I don't think they make it into the playoffs this next year just because the East is so stacked. But they're only going to get better, and I think, I think they're going to turn a corner real soon. When a lot of these young guys start stepping up into their new roles, they're, they're going to be a force. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, what's, what's next, Calgary? Who's next? Calgary Flames. They uh, they, they, they did really like didn't nothing. have too many, too many either. They almost had less than Buffalo. Like yeah, really. More you can talk about is is the losses of Calgary rather than who they brought in. Like they really yeah. didn't bring in anyone to, you know, help make the team better, bolster, and they're really committing to the group that they have there and the young guys. Um, but you know, losing guys like Lucic, um. I mean, we kind of knew Trevor Lewis was, wasn't coming back the moment Sutter was fired. Um, Michael Stone ended up retiring. You know, he was a great seventh uh, D-man form who, whenever he got, seemed to get put in the lineup, he would score. So that's kind of a tough uh, loss for them. But he, he, is, um, he was hired in like a player development role for them. So he is sticking around with the organization, yeah. um, just not as a player. And then obviously one of their, I don't really know if you can call him a prospect. He's been around for so long and used so poorly but matthew phillips ended up uh, uh going to washington. washington so that's kind of a, yep. that's a big loss for them as well so really more anything it's you know almost kind of similar to boston it's more focusing on 
the losses that they've suffered rather than the minor improvements they've tried to make, which in Calgary's case is far less than what Boston uh, tried to do. Yeah, I think for both those teams, it's a lot of uh, signings trying to plug holes, but uh, the holes were just kind of too big and they're doing what they can to patch it up, but it's, it's looking rough so far for them. For and, sure. and we're still waiting to see what happens with guys like Backland, um, Lindholm, Hannafin. Like we don't, we, we don't know what's going on with that whole um, saga there. It's been kind of quiet on that end. So I think that's kind of taken up most of the Flames' uh, focus kind of throughout this offseason so far. Yeah, are all of those guys, uh, are they all looking for extensions? Like none of them are free agents now, right? No, all, they all have one year left on their deals. Right, so, so, so at least they have time to trade them if nothing can be done. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, they don't have a ton of guys with a lot of value left in Calgary. They got they got a couple, but none with huge values. And those are a lot of those guys. So that would be really tough if they can't keep at least two of those three. Yeah. But and like we talked about earlier, you know, Toffoli was was I mean, they was originally the four of them. And Toffoli was obviously one of them. And he was the first domino to fall being traded to. New Jersey, and now it's just kind of waiting on uh, what happens with the other three. All right, uh, moving on to Carolina. They did make a ton of moves. They did. A lot of, like, a lot of yeah. big moves. Yeah. They, they uh, re-signed and extended uh, both uh, Antiranta and Freddie Anderson to yeah, one and two same, years, respectively. Same goalie, goalie tandem there. Did they both take discounts from last year as well? Yeah. Like, they, but again, they're, they're both older and, you know, I think it was, it was kind of made clear to them, you know, because realistically, they still have a very good chance of winning a cup with Carolina next year or even the year after or potentially even the year after that. But I think it was kind of clear to them that they needed to take a pay cut to stay. Because, yeah. well, I mean... Fuck Orlov. What did he get? Two years, like seven point two five. Like, I mean, it's only for two years, but like, that's that's a lot to pay for a guy like Dmitry 7. Orlov. Seven point seven five. So even worse, like almost eight mil for. Yeah, I mean, at best, he's a he's a middle pair of defense. Like, he's not a top two guy, and you're paying I him like that's he is. So pretty close to what Hedman's making right now. I think Hedman's at seven point eight five. Holy shit. That, yeah, that's nuts. Um, the one I really like for them is actually the Michael Bunting signing. Because uh, what did he get? It was three years at just a little bit under four mil, I think. It, uh, at uh, at 4.5 no, mil. 4.5, that's right, yeah. And so my thing is, I, I think he, like, Bunting should have been the guy the Ducks went after rather than Killorn. Because Bunting fits that that core of kind of Young, younger-ish talent um, that the Ducks have. He can kind of go through them through those rebuilding years. And then he's still going to be, you know, kind of just kind of, you know, in his prime, I would say, when they're starting to compete. And then they can still re-sign him and keep him around. So I think Bunting was, would have been the perfect fit for the Ducks rather than Killorn, but um, I think he's going to be a great fit for the Hurricanes because... 
they really need that fire and that that edge come playoff time because we we didn't see that from them much when uh especially in the eastern finals when they kind of just got uh just overworked by by the panthers yeah when florida got tough uh the same thing with carolina going Every, every year it's it's carolina it's just when it gets really tough in those those gritty games, those you know, crash and bash. Carolina always seems to fold, no matter what. It, it, it happens every year. It seems so. Um, yeah, maybe, and that's what they're trying to do with you know. Maybe that's why they had to overpay Orlov a bit, is because he can kind of bring that mean and nastiness on the blue line still, um, while you know, while stip, still chipping in offensively and being able to hold it down defensively. Um, that, that's really kind of the only reason I could see behind giving them that much money but uh you know i i, I love this offseason so far for uh for carolina yeah i think uh i think it's a great signing the bunting one especially because they yeah like you said they kind of get soft sometimes in those hard-nosed playoff series and i think a lot of it is because they have a lot of really old guys and then they have even more really young guys like, they don't yeah. have too many guys in that middle 27, 28, 29 range who will get in there and give people the business and pu- push back and shove back. So, you know, they got, they got a couple of guys. I don't, uh, they had uh, Martin Nuke for a while there. And uh, Stahl was always, you know, ready to give people the business. But they didn't have yeah. too many guys who would get in there with you. So... Yeah, I and, think, and it I almost, think he's going to be a fan favorite there if he can if yeah. he can keep his head in check. And, and they almost and even got scarier. <laughs> like it, it was, um, <laughs> it was reported like a couple days ago that Tarasenko was actually signing with the Hurricanes, and then you know it, it was it sounded like everything was confirmed, like it was official, but nothing was being released on it for like a day and a half, and then all of a sudden it comes out that. Tarasenko's now got a different agent and they're working on a contract with to find a, find a spot with him with some team. So it sounds like Tarasenko to Carolina is like not happening now or, or it never even was. Um, so I'm not really sure what happened there. But um, so it sounds like Tarasenko won't be going to Carolina in the end because if he did, man, like that's that's a really good team they would have for next year. Yeah, and they didn't lose too many guys in this offseason. Like, they were already looking no. pretty good after this past year. So, with some of these extra yeah. signings, yeah, they're, everything they uh, they're poised to make another fine. deep playoff push. Yeah. All right. I got one name on here for Chicago, but I, I yeah. guess that's because they made a lot of trades and not signings. Yeah. Because they, they traded a seventh-round pick next year for Corey Perry. Uh, they traded for Taylor Hall. They traded for Nick Foligno. Yeah. So, Those were all good moves. I mean, yeah, they signed Ryan Donato to a two-year contract. Good for Donato. I really like him as a player. Any Blackhawks fans who are upset we're not really talking about your team, suck it up. You got Bedard, so... I don't really got much else to say about Chicago. Like, they signed Donato. That's it. Yeah, they I'm good to, they I'm good to signed move Donato. On. They signed <laughs> veterans to teach Bedard how to do it. That's yeah, really about it. 
I'm sure we'll have plenty more to say about their team in the next few years. But yeah. Oh, yeah. For now, they're just laying the foundation for the rebuild. Yeah. They have barely even entered it yet. Yeah. Uh, the Avalanche got quite a list of guys right here. Yeah, fuck. I don't even... Like, where, where do you begin? Well, I heard that they signed Miles Wood. I did not hear that it was a six-year contract. Yeah, but it, it was a it was a pretty like cheap one. I think he's only getting like two point five or something, which I think is is great value for a guy like that. You know, he's probably. I mean, I like him as a player, but but he, he's a fourth line guy. But he's still young. Um, he's kind of got that edge to him. I believe he's pretty decent on the penalty kill, if I'm not mistaken. Um, which is something that the Avs can really benefit from, especially also bringing in um. Uh, Andrew Cogliano back so you've kind of got you know two solid penalty killers um, on your fourth line there who who can still chip in offensively and and whatnot so I, I like that uh, wood signing though for for the Avs yeah and then uh, I guess their their big fish that they got to uh, re-sign Bowen Byram two years yeah they got him on that uh, two-year bridge deal there until after that, you know, my best guess is he's probably gone. I would say he's probably got two more years, and then by then, if he keeps um, ascending, you know, the way he has been, the Avs just, I don't think, are going to be able to afford him. Yeah, I think it's hard to pay two defensemen, you know, upwards of $8 million if that's what you think Byram's going to get to. Um, luckily, they got quite a bargain on the Makar deal. Yeah. The, the one I like the most, actually, that I'm excited to see how it works, is um, they signed Jonathan Drouin, uh, Nathan McKinnon's uh, old teammate from, from the Halifax Mooseheads. And we already know that Gabriel Landeskog is not... Like, I, I don't think he's going to play at all next year. Maybe come back for the playoffs... No, um, I think yeah, I think they said he's out for but but next it sounds year. Like he's, and... Yeah, he's he's totally done. So I think Drend, you know, could be a very intriguing uh, option to try out on that first line with McKinnon and Ranton and see if because uh, at the end of the day, I mean, he's he's a third overall pick, like, and him and McKinnon have that chemistry. So you know, if he can really rejuvenate his career this year with the Avs, like that that would be great to see for him because he really kind of had a rough go in Montreal. Oh yeah, and then I think he went into the player assistance program and all that. Like it's yeah, it's been tough for him. So hopefully he bounces back over in uh, Colorado. Yeah, hopefully we'll see. But all in all, I gotta say it, it's been a great uh, off season so far for the Avs, and um, just really kind of building up to to give it another run. Yeah, they're looking to be a top contender again this next year yeah uh, the columbus blue jackets looks like they signed nobody which makes sense because they're getting young guys uh, they um so I, I wouldn't say nobody because i mean it's, it's not a free agent but they they did agree to um on the first day of free agency they did sign adam fantilli to his uh entry-level right. deal with them so it's now fantilli's you know He's like he's not going back to Michigan or anything. He's you know he's with the Blue Jackets now. He's he's gonna be in the 
the opening um, night lineup, assuming they don't put him in the AHL. Um, but I think that's great for Columbus that they've already, you know, got him excited about going to the organization, being a part of that group there and ready to get to work. So, you know, even though they didn't bring in any, you know, big free agents, uh, you know, having Fantelli locked in now with them is is huge for them. Yeah, and they did also saw, uh, trade earlier for Damon Severson, so they got, they did uh, yeah. get a, and, a little and bit. And Provorov as well. And Provorov, yeah, we'll see how kind he... Kind of forget about him. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does uh, outside I'm of I'm really excited to see what, uh, what, what Columbus can, can do this year. Yeah, do you think uh, Fantelli's going to start on, like, when they get to opening night? Do you think he's going, like, straight to the first line? Like, all he's going to well, do is beat out Boone Jenner, right? Well, that, no, but see, so that's the thing, and that's where I'm, I'm very interested to see because, you know, it, and it's now official, like, because um, it had to get until a certain point um, till they could make it official, but, like, Mike, Mike Babcock is now in his head coach of uh, the Blue Jackets. And, and I'm I'm interested to see how he handles it because, you know, just even at the go back to the start of last year, uh, before the regular season, it was the Kent Johnson show. It, it was, you know, it was going to be his team of the future. Um, you know, he was going to be the number one center. And now that you bring in Fantillion, so now it's like you've got both of these guys. And so I think it's probably going to take until, you know, kind of training camp. Um, you kind of maybe try them both out, assuming your top winger duo is uh, Goudreau and Line. And then I think you might just have to shift back maybe between, you know, Johnson and Fantilli and see, you know, which one um, kind of fits in there better. Or e- even instead, you roll, say, Goudreau, Fantilli, and X on the first line, and then maybe Johnson, Line, and X. Um, on the on the second line and uh, maybe try and space it out a bit more and just kind of maybe have almost like two first lines type of thing. Um, yeah. Just yeah, have the I really, really have solid no idea. top six. Yeah, I really have no idea how that's going to go for them. So I'm excited to see how uh, that all kind of shapes out with a guy like Babcock running the show there. Yeah, if, if Fantilli can come in and be, an, be the guy that they think he's going to be or even in you know, two or three years, man, a line of Fantilli, Line, and Goudreau would be absolutely nuts. And to think you have, you can run with that for the next, I mean, at least six years, because you've got Goudreau for another, like at least six years, probably, as long as you can convince Line um, to re up his deal when it expires in, I think two years from now or something. Um, yeah. But it, but it sounds like Line kind of likes it there in Columbus. And if they start to get a winning culture there and, and and whatnot like you know that that could be a very uh deadly top line for them for the next foreseeable future yeah i definitely think columbus uh kind of has a similar reputation to arizona except yeah. a bit better you know I've, i feel like a lot of people and you know maybe it's because we're based out of calgary here so you know we hear it from a lot of salty flames fans but it sounds like a lot of fans had the impression that uh, why would anyone just willingly go to Columbus? Who the hell wants to go to Columbus? But like, it sounds like every player who's gone there is like, why the hell wouldn't I want to live in Columbus? Like, well, and exactly, accounts, right? It sounds and... like a great place to live. So, and it sounds like they have a good org. All they need is to put together a good team and start winning, and you've got it all. Well, and I think the the biggest thing for for a lot of guys, you know, 
like like you've you've got the guy I, I like i'm not i don't want to throw up certain players names because like i don't want people to like be like oh you like don't assume it shit but like there's certain guys especially like goudreau you kind of saw throughout calgary like he never like he was he was the star of the show there for however many years but it, he never really wanted to be that guy he didn't like you know being the face of in the media and all this like he wanted to just play hockey and enjoy it and in yeah. columbus you can do that because you're not you know it's it's not like a toronto or a, a la or or with the rangers like it's not constant media and flashing lights rah rah type of thing like you you can just kind of live that nice suburban life you know play hockey for a good good organization they've got a terrific fan base there continues to grow every year that building like especially when we saw them in the playoffs was incredible like yeah yeah i just don't I, yeah i don't see why people you know shit on columbus because if, like from any guy who's been there especially cam atkinson he loved it there and he was heartbroken to get traded which you know you go back 15 years ago or whatever you would never assume a player would be heartbroken about being traded out of columbus and that yeah, just shows I, uh... what you know that guys just when they settle down there they they love it there yeah, I think I think pretty much every Canadian NHL team, if you're playing for them, you kind of have to live under that microscope. Like, of course, it's a lot more with, you know, Montreal or Toronto, but really any of the Canadian teams get way more press on the hockey team than, you know, over in Columbus. So yeah. I definitely think, you know, a guy like Goudreau, if he just wants to chill and play hockey and stuff and not not be this big figurehead... I think I think getting out of the Canadian markets is unfortunately just kind of the only option to do it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I completely agree. All uh, right, next we got the we Dallas got Stars. I So I've I've got a big like I've got well two big things that I really like with Dallas and one thing that I really dislike. Um so it happened like it was the morning, like like the day after we we finished recording our last episode, and it came out that uh, surprisingly Nashville bought out Matt Duchesne, which was yeah. was nuts because like he was finally really, um you know kind of come back from those that kind of little setbacks he was having, and was really solidifying himself to be that first line center again, and then Nashville's like you know smell you later. And he signs a one-year deal with Dallas, and it, what was it like three million dollars? Like it was, yeah, it's a one great year, three contract. Mil. Like that's a How great much was he deal. Before he was making eight per year with Nashville. Do you so, think like, that was untradeable? Like if they wanted to move him that badly, what? did they have to buy him out, or do you think they could have traded him to a team like Dallas for a third? See, so I th- I think the problem was. I, th- I think they, they must have tried. And when they realized they couldn't, I think that's when... So I don't know for sure, but my assumption is they tried to trade Duchesne because he had eight years left at... Uh, or sorry, three years left at eight million. But I don't yeah. think they were able to find a team to do that trade with. And then their plan was to buy out Ryan Johansson, who has had two years left at eight mil. And so I think when they weren't able to get a Duchesne trade done, 
that's when they shifted to okay, let's trade Johansson with you know whatever retained. I think it was what it was I think it was fifty percent retained for two years, and then Duchesne unfortunately had to get bought out. But they like Barry Trotz wanted to reshape the team his way, and he had to find a way to move out both those guys on big contracts. And I think he would have rather had it done the other way. Um, but that just unfortunately wasn't, wasn't able to happen. Yeah, it sounds like uh, Trotz really wants to full spring cleaning, uh, move everything out and revamp the team in his image. You know, obviously not yeah. everything. You know, Yossi and Saros are definitely sticking around or at least have this far. But he, uh, he really wants to make it his team the way he knows how to make winning teams. Yeah, I- exactly, right? And then the other one, so long story short, um, it, it, you know, a couple weeks ago, we, we sat down recording. We kind of did like a pre-free agency um, episode. And we we kind of did predictions. Um, I lost the audio file, so that's never coming out. But I remember the one of the biggest things I talked about is how much I wanted to see Max Domi stay with Dallas. Yeah. Because I thought he was just a great fit from the moment he came in at the deadline all the way through the end of the regular season, in the playoffs, I thought he fit perfectly. I thought Max Domi finally found a team he could actually stick with long-term. And then, you know, we'll get to him um, later signing with Toronto. Um, but Dallas ended up losing him. And so I think that's a big loss for the team. But I think they really, like, bounced back with, uh, you know, getting that Duchesne deal done. Yeah, and Duchesne's only there for one year, but... Uh... If they can get him to re-up for longer term, that could, uh, that could end up being a really good signing for them. Well, and that's the thing, right? And it's, and it's a great move for Dallas because even if, you know, they're going through the regular season, regardless of how they're doing, if, say, Matt Duchesne, you know, is like, hey, I don't want to re-sign here or whatnot, you retain half of that at the deadline for just the remainder of the year. You can get a haul for Duchesne if he's playing well at 1.5 mil. Like, you could get a decent haul back for him at the trade deadline still, even. Yeah. Yeah, dude. If you were to trade him for 50% retained, now somebody's getting Matt Duchesne for 1.5 mil. Like, you know, any of these teams like, you know, Tampa or Toronto or, you know, Colorado, they'd probably give you a freaking haul for that. Yeah, exactly, right? All right, uh, who do we got next? Wow, that's a big list for Detroit. Yeah, fuck. So how do we want to go through this mess here? Holy shit. <laughs> fuck, dude. I guess I'll just start listing some of them because, geez, they were... Stevie Y has been busy. You just want to they throw got... out the worst signing of the entire free agency just start off with that one right off the bat i see it right at the top like it's just staring at me it, it's justin it's Hall. fucking abysmal yeah that's absolutely abysmal yeah 3.4 mil for for him that's that's like, quite a lot that that move right there single-handedly makes me question the Iser plan in detroit honestly i just can't get over yeah. it he, I, I can't get over it. Uh, I mean, I don't watch Toronto a ton. Obviously, but Tampa faced them in the first round the last two years. 
And this past year in particular, every time Hall was on the ice, we feasted on him. Like, well, yeah, I mean, what, what, what do you expect, right? Like, it's, it's what you get with him. Yeah, he, yeah. Is, uh, he is not incredibly smart defensively. And I don't know if he puts up enough. I mean, 18 points in 80 regular season games last year. Uh, uh, that doesn't seem anything jumping off the page to me to say that he should be making 10.2 mil over the next three years. Yeah. Yeah, like, honestly, yeah. Even, um... The, and the more, the more I started to think about it, the other kind of... I think probably their biggest mo- like sign they made was the JT comp for, for five years. Um... I don't get that signing one bit. Like, I, I really don't get that signing one bit for Detroit. Uh, I think it's a, I think it's a decent signing. I think five, five point one is about what he would get in free agency. I think if you know if it was an extension with a current team he was with, maybe they could get him down to like four point five or something. Yeah, it's not necessarily the the money or the or the term but it's like last year they went out and gave almost an identical contract to andrew cop and and yeah. in my mind jt comfort and andrew cop i'm not going to try and say those two names back to back that was tough um they're just very similar players though and so it's like what and they're and they're both like they're good centermen's but it's like you don't need both of them because they're very similar players in my mind. And yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, he's a good player. Like, I think he's going to do like, you know, what he's supposed to do there. But it's just like, you've basically got two of the exact same guys now. And, and so what now I, I either, you know, yeah, I don't know. I just find him just, it's very odd, but you know, I mean, if it's Steve Eiserman, so like you always kind of want to give him a, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt, but yeah, but eventually, if we all think Detroit's going to start winning with him, you know, eventually they have to start winning, or we're going to question that. Well, exactly right, and it's like, so what now? Do you you have, you pretty much almost have to commit to Cop or Comfer as your second line center because you can't go with one as your third line center, and one as your fourth because you can't pay a fourth line center that much money unless you're the New York Islanders. So, <laughs> yeah, it's just an odd one to me. But, like, you know, I guess, again, like, it's the Iserman, so give him the benefit of the doubt. But I'm not, not too sure about what he's, what he's got cooking there. I like the uh, Clem Costin signing, though. Yeah, I do that's like a that good, one. That's a good one. And even the two, Shane Gostaspare two one. Years I, I didn't for realize he signed two. there. Yeah, Gostas Bear, one year for 4.1, and Clem Costin, two years for 2 mil AV. AV. And, and good for Costin, because we knew he wasn't going to get that with Edmonton. That was part of the reason why he was um, traded. And, and yeah. so it, it worked out well for him, because he's, he's able to get the money he felt he was worth. Unfortunately, he's going to a team that, you know, he's not going to go into the playoffs like he would with Edmonton. Um but, you know, again, like we talked about for some players, money, money talks for them. And, you know, you got and, and I guess with Detroit, he's also going to get a bigger role. 
So at the end of that two-year deal, he could even cash in for a bigger deal. Whereas with Edmonton, he was kind of stuck in a, you know, bottom six role for however long he would have been there. So, yeah. And one other uh, one other signing that I do really like for the Red Wings is uh, Daniel Sprong, one year, two million. Uh, he just came off a career year, forty six points in only sixty six games with the Kraken. For Actually, two yeah. that's pretty that's pretty low risk. Only one year. Actually, no, that yeah, that, that is a good signing. Like I, forty six points while missing out on what is that? Fourteen games, sixteen games, something like that. That's that's pretty good value. Like, yeah, especially if he has a really good year and you ship him off at the deadline, you could get something pretty good back for him. When I feel like maybe that's what it is, you know, and even the goths is bare for for one year, like. Because, like, Detroit's, again, like, is obviously not making the playoffs next year. So come the deadline, like, you can get a, a decent, you know, pick or prospect for Sprong. When, even when, when you retain half, even if you don't retain, two mil is still very affordable. And then Gostaspair, you can, like, we saw last year's deadline. And he was making way more at the time. Still got a third-round pick. You give him a big roll there and let him, let him cook a bit. You could, you could still even get something back for him, so... I think a lot of these signings for early, some of them is kind of, you know, short term, kind of seeing what you're, you know, kind of knowing what you can, you can get in, in a year's time out of these guys, where yeah. some of them like you're, you're really committing to, to them as part of your group moving forward. Yeah. I think a lot of the shorter deals are just throwing a ton of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, Exactly. All right, moving yeah. on to the Oilers. They uh, they didn't make a ton of moves here. There's a there's a couple that uh, that's Lane Peterson. That's not even Cal Peterson. There's really not much here then. I mean, the biggest one and like the only notable one is is uh, bringing in Connor Brown to a, a terrific um, deal there and a guy who. You know, I, I think even with, you know, I, you could even get away with, you know, putting him with McDavid sometimes and he could like he can he could feast playing with a guy like McDavid or, you know, even, uh, you know, if you split up McDavid and Drysaddle and roll him on the second line with Drysaddle, you know, you can get terrific value out of him for the price you're paying him. So, uh, so I think that's a that's a huge signing for the Oilers. Still kind of wondering what's going on because, you know, they, uh, Ryan McLeod hasn't, uh, you know, signed it, signed uh, an extension yet as a, as an, um, RFA and Evan Bouchard hasn't yet. So kind of yeah, waiting to Bouchard see. Bouchard is what, the big one. What, what's going on there. But, you know, I, I got to assume they got something planned or something in the works of how they're going to make it all work. But that, that Connor Brown signing is terrific for them. Yeah. And uh, ooh, we almost got a Detroit-style list here for uh, the Florida Panthers. Oh, a lot of stuff shit. here. Holy shit. They assigned yeah. Kulikov to a one-year contract. Got yeah, Ek- uh, Ekman Larson signed for one year. Oh, they got Evan Rodriguez as well for a four-year contract. That's a good sign. I, I did them, not actually. 
I did not see that uh, they signed Ekman Larson. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was actually one of the like first uh, first signings to almost happen at the start of free agency. That's too bad. I was hoping. Uh, I was hoping Tampa might be able to scoop him up for a for a. Yeah, yeah you four talk role. about that, and I said, you know what, Ekman Larson could be a good fit with Tampa, and uh, he, he signed a cheap deal, you know, with. Uh, um, with, with with the Panthers, so he, like he could have easily done that with Tampa as well. Uh, and then obviously, you know, we I guess we can kind of throw it out there because while we're on the topic of Florida, they ended up trading Anthony Duclair to to the Sharks and kind of for you know a small return. Um, they did get a good, responsible defensive centerman in Stephen Lawrence, but um, again, you know, kind of very similar to Max Domi. You know, they both, you know, Duclair kind of started with the Rangers, but never played there. Like, and then he kind of found his footing in the NHL with the Coyotes, him and uh, Domi together. And I thought, you know, this was the time now where Duclair with Florida, Domi with Dallas. I thought the two of them were finally going to find their, um, find a place where they can actually just really stay like as long as they want, because the team's always going to want them based on what they bring. Um, but I guess Florida felt his three million dollar cap hit was was too rich for them, and so uh, I can't believe that. That was, that's a great San Jose. That's, yeah, a, that's, that's a big yeah. bet for San Jose. And again, a guy like that at one point five. If you want to ship him off at the deadline, that'll be that'll be big for San Jose. Just keep collecting these guys with as low money as possible, and then exactly right at the deadline. And he, and he's gonna be, uh, you know, he's he's gonna be playing at, at top six minutes in San Jose, so he's gonna be putting up, assuming good numbers. Like, yeah, he's another guy where, you know, depending on which way the Sharks are going, like you can even maybe re-sign him long term, be like, hey, be part of our 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 group moving forward. Cause he's still a relatively younger player in the league. Or you go, yeah, like if you don't want to be here, that's fine. Like. We're going to trade you at the deadline and we can get a good, good haul back for if we retain half. And yeah, 1.5 is a lot that can, a lot of teams can, can make that work. Yeah. Uh, one that we also didn't talk that uh, left out of uh, Florida that we didn't mention, I don't think in uh, Detroit, uh, Alex Lyon. That's uh, I think that's a decent little signing over in Detroit. Actually. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think we kind of knew with Florida, like, you know, obviously, the the revival of Bobrovsky during the playoffs. Don't know if that'll transition to next um, season or not, but they're also going to be getting Spencer Knight back as well, who, you know, left the team to join the player assistance program. Um, hopefully, he's doing much better, and I'm excited to see what he can do now back with the Panthers next year. But yeah, there's just no more room for Lyon there. Um, so, yeah. That's all I got to say on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, up next, we got the LA Kings. Um, so I'm just, I'm just looking here. Um, so while we're going, like we're, we're pretty hefty into this. So I'm thinking if we roll out the Kings and then next up is the Wild and the Canadians, and then we'll cut it there, and then we'll do a part two of doing yeah. the, 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 the second half of the teams on this list here. Yeah, that's absolutely what I was thinking. And well, you know what we can, uh, you know we can title it. You know, ducks. 
you know, Anaheim to Montreal and then the other one, you know, Nashville to uh, Winnipeg or Washington or whoever's the last team in the league. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, even actually, with another another thing with Detroit, actually, going back to them, because I, I did totally forgot that um, Lions signed there. They also signed James Reimer to a one-year contract, who is, is, gonna, is, is a very serviceable goal. He, you know, he's not capable of playing a whole bunch of games, but, you know, you give him 30 games a, a season, he'll be just fine. Yeah, I just don't know what their goaltending plan is long term because 2021 they they drafted uh, Kosa with the 15th overall pick, and then you know now two years later to this year's draft they drafted Trey Augustine, um, 41st overall um, in the second round, and then they also drafted another goalie uh, Rudy Gumond I think is how you pronounce it in the sixth round. So like they're really stocking up on goalies, but it's like. But now it, it just seems like, you know, Koso is supposed to be the guy and maybe next season it was finally going to be his time to to go. But now it's like they've brought in two, you know, NHL goalies and they're drafting more. So their goaltending situation is kind of a mess right now there. Yeah, I think... I'm not sure uh, what they got going on there. Yeah, it really seems like uh, Stevie Y wants to make sure that they have a solid goaltending situation when they really start to become contenders. And I wonder if he's just, you know, grabbing a ton of these guys. A lot of them seem to be younger goalies. Like, you know, they signed Delkovic before Lions and they got guys like Kosa coming up. So I wonder if he's just trying to find the best uh, duo out of all of those guys. And then, you know, goalies are pretty easy to move at the deadline. You know, there's always yeah. teams that have goalie go down and they're gonna to need to pick up a backup or something and exactly right like reimer is gonna he's he's definitely i think gonna be traded at the deadline this next year and he unless they're like really looking like they're gonna make the playoffs then i think he's he's gonna get traded to a team that needs a a 1b type goalie yeah yeah i i would agree with that i think that's most likely what ends up happening uh, with Reimer, assuming there's a team that kind of wants wants a guy like him and is kind of in need, I'm probably a team that you know their backup goalie uh, went down with an injury, and then they kind of just need to bring in a guy to that's serviceable that can get the job done in in a few games, but isn't like their guy long term. I think that's kind of what uh, a James Reimer trade would end up looking like. Yeah, assuming yeah that 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 he does get moved. Um, at the deadline and in, you know, down the road. Yeah. Uh, moving on now to the Kings. Uh, they signed Talbot to a one year, only $1 billion contract. Yeah. That one, is... I think was kind of a scramble move. Once they, they kind of realized that, you know, uh, that, I mean, once, once they made those moves to sign Gavrikov, um, to an extension, it was almost kind of, you know, everybody kind of knew that there's probably no way that they're going to be able to keep Corpus Allo. Um, and then, yeah, and then obviously Cam Talbot was, you know, kind of the next best guy available to, to bring in. Um, but again, you know, that's kind of the story of the Kings. Like, they're, 
they're coming out of that rebuild. They're they're ready to go hard and uh, go ham and you know start being a force in the Western Conference again. But their goaltending has just been an issue for you know the last while. Yeah, since and Jonathan Quick stopped only, being elite, really. Yeah, and bringing in Talbot only just bridges the gap until next year. But then you're right back in the same spot. Like you've, you know, I thought once they got Corpus Allo, I thought they were immediately going to lock him up and be like, yeah, we finally got a goalie now. But it's like yeah. now they're just kind of in limbo. It's just, you know, you just keep recycling goalies over and over. And and, and, and as much like, you know, I like Talbot, like I think he's serviceable. That is not a guy that can can win you a cup. Yeah, and if I'm I wrong, think, I think I'm he's wrong, a good one. I'm wrong, but yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> goalies are so hard to predict. Like, really, really, any goalie can come out of nowhere and win you a cup. I mean, Aiden Hill, yeah, like Aiden Hill, just did it. Yeah, like guys can come out of anywhere, but obviously, you have a lot better chance if you have a guy you know is. Good. So, it's uh. It'll be interesting to see if they make some moves for a goaltender partway through the year or something. Oh, for sure, yeah. I got to imagine they got something in the works. And then, I mean, and then I guess they, they also brought in uh, David Riddick. So, if, I mean, if that's your tandem, like, David Riddick, as much as, you know, especially we know, like, really well, um, being in the Calgary area, how obsessed Flames fans were with him, you know, big save Dave. But as soon as he, you know, did that kind of like stick toss thing after that win, he's just gone downhill ever since. Like he is, he is not a starting goalie. So it's, it's kind of clear Talbot's their, their number one and then Riddick's number two. And that's a, that's a tough goaltending tandem to, to run with, I think. Yeah, I think it makes it a lot easier to fill out the rest of your team because you're paying your go- both your goalies uh, combined less than two mil, but it uh, yeah, it doesn't bode well, especially if you know Talbot goes down with an injury. What are you just gonna you gonna play Riddick most of the games and then bring up somebody else? Well, yeah, exactly right. Like it's they've they've got to get that figured out sooner rather than later. Um... And really, the only other one I think is worth mentioning is Trevor Lewis going back on a one-year deal to the Kings, going back to where he won his cups there. Um, you know, just, just a good veteran guy can kind of, I mean, I, w- I want to say help teach, you know, kind of their younger guys, but they traded away a lot of them. So, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe just an extra 13th forward kind of slots in, in a fourth-line center role, maybe here and there, but... Like it's not nothing crazy for the Kings. Their big move was was getting uh, Dubois, like we talked about uh, before. Yeah. All right, moving from the Kings. Now we got the Minnesota Wild. Uh, unless I you know something like I don't. Anything. Yeah. Yeah, they they just they lost a lot of guy guys to a two year two year contract. Is this Letary? Yeah, Vinny Vinny Letary. Two two way deal like that's that's about it. Uh, do you know yeah, what uh, their situation with Philip Gustafson is? Is he an RFA? Um, yeah, so yeah, so he doesn't have a. Yeah, yeah, he's just currently like they've qualified him, so he still own his rights. Um, but yeah, nothing's been. Uh, 
yeah, no, nothing's been signed by him there. They're still trying to work out something with him. Um, they just they've just lost they lost like a lot of guys. Uh, the this off season, like then they really haven't done anything to fill those holes or anything. So I'm guessing my assumption is again they're kind of gonna let those young guys come out very similar to the Flames and uh, try and run with you know building through their system rather than just going out and grabbing you know um like free agents here and there type of thing yeah all right and uh the last one for part one of us going through all the hold hold the phone hold the phone breaking news breaking news um so going back to the la kings they just signed Anze Kopitar to a two-year extension with an nice. AAV of $7 million with a full no-movement clause. That's a good deal for them. That's, uh, that's, a, that's a good deal on both that's sides. Actually, that's, a, that's a huge win for, uh, for the Kings there. I literally just saw it pop up, and I was like, oh, I guess that's pretty no- noticeable after we just were, we're kind of talking, talking we were about them. just talking about them. Yeah, that's that's really good for them. It doesn't lock them in for too long, and even for the next two years while he is here, that's the seven million is very manageable for a for a guy that will in probably the final year of that deal maybe hand over the reins to, uh, maybe Pierre Luc Dubois. I I'll, I'm sure a lot of Kings fans would hope that it would be Quinton Byfield, but I guess he's got we'll, it. He's got we'll see. The crown to someone, um, yeah. So and, and so going back to Minnesota, the, I just saw the Kopitar one because I just opened up Cap Friendly and it just popped up that like it, that had been just recent. Um, so the yeah. problem with Minnesota is now at at, at this year going into July first, the year kind of kicking over in terms of the NHL schedule. They've now got um, just a little bit under fifteen million dollars in cap is tied up for this year and the following year into that Ryan Suter, Zach Parise buyouts. So like, yeah. you know, when the cap is what is it? It went up like a mil. So it's like 83 or something, 83 and a half, somewhere in that area. You know, like your $15 million is going to guys who aren't even on your team anymore. And that's for this year and next year. So I think we're going to kind of see a thing here with Minnesota where it's, you know, they were in the playoffs. They're, they always go up first round, but I think we're going to see them take a step back for, for two years because like when you're $15 million behind the cap compared to every other team, well, not every other team, but you know, I mean, 15 is a lot like that really hinders what you can put out for an on ice product for your team. And so you're really going to have to rely heavily, you know, on, on your, your core guys that you have there. And then your young guys coming up, through the system and uh, like trying to make it work with them. Like that's, that's really all they can do. Yeah. They have, they have quite a surprisingly good crop of young guys coming up and with guys, you know, like Kaprizov, they got Erickson, Eck, Matt Boldy. I think if they, uh, they just kind of need to have some of those guys hold down the fort for, for those two years, get that cap space back. The cap's gonna have pro- most likely gone up a decent bit by that point as well. So then, yeah. 
they're they're going to be able to make some big moves. You're going to see uh, them make like some big splashes in free agency in two years, I bet. Because yeah, they are going to have just a abundance of cap that they can start using. Yeah, I think once they, once they get through these next two years, which might be a bit rough, I think they're going to be in a real good position. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah, last year, agree. we got the Montreal Canadiens. Really haven't haven't done much. Um, no, they got a they got a decent little uh, uh, two year contract on uh, Harvey Pinard. Which uh, yeah, he he was a great player for them when they brought him up last year. I, I like that move for for them, and then even. Um, we were talking about it uh, just before we, we, we hopped on here. Uh, they got David Reinbacker signed to his entry-level deal. Um, yeah, he'll be good when he joins the club with them. And, I mean, like, you know, hopefully the fans get their shit together and um, actually appreciate this, you know, great prospect that, that they have and, you know, stop hating on him for, again, like it's... And, and the, part, the part that that really really sucked is so he receives all that hate after being drafted from montreal fans like all this hate and there's a video of him signing his first like signing his entry-level contract he was like crying tears of joy because he was so happy to be in this moment make it this far and actually signing that deal like i just don't see how a team with the pedigree yeah and like he's so happy because like to be signing with a team with the pedigree of the Montreal Canadiens, especially as they're going through a rebuild when you're signing your ELC, that's, that's the dream as, as an NHL player. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know, you kind of yeah. get to, you know, just like not even going way back, but just, you know, in, in, in recent memory of him kind of growing up, um, you know, trying to follow in the footsteps of like P.K. Subban, Shea Weber there. Like, yeah, like Montreal is... You know, except for the last, you know, couple of years since Shea Weber, um, you know, has kind of been done with hockey. Though, though that's like kind of a, there's, there's a big role there and it's been waiting to be filled. And for him to, you know, fifth overall, you've got that opportunity. You know, I mean, and any hockey kid growing up watched and knew what P.K. Subban and Shea Weber could do. And so to go to a team like Montreal and be like, man, I could like, if I really give him all, I could be the next sue banner weber there and whatnot like that's gonna be such a great feeling for him and it just sucks that there's always that little that dark spot of the fans you know um upset with him for something that was out of his control but it's so great to see him just tough it out and be like no i'm committed here and and he wants to give it his all so i think that's that's such a great moment for him yeah Yeah, we know that right we know that you know obviously I got to imagine ninety-five percent upwards of Montreal Canadiens fans are fine with the pick or or happy with the pick, or at the very least weren't sending those threats. That's got yeah, that's got to be an exactly. incredibly small minority, just a very vocal one. But uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully he does really good there, and who knows? Maybe if uh, maybe if Tampa you know gets Drewen back, maybe we can trade one for one for Reinbacker as well. Yeah, you know what? Tampa, Tampa's got a way of fleecing Montreal in some deals, so <laughs> it's not, not out of the question. It's not out of the question. Um, uh, yeah, so any of these other names up. from the Canadians jumping out at you? No, not really. 
Oh, uh, they nah. did sign uh, Alex Newhook, didn't they? No, they no. They, no so they, they got they got his. Yeah, they traded for his rights because he's an Cause RFA, he but like uh, they RFA. still haven't actually um, signed him to anything. That's we're still kind of waiting to see what that uh, that that looks like for them. But like overall, um, I, I mean, if I think if the Canadians could go back like two weeks and examine, you know, looking at now what they know they could have had. They could have played this offseason so differently. Um, because obviously, so what they traded like what the 31st and the 34th overall pick or something like that, or the 31st and like 36 or something, um, for New Hook. Yeah, so say you take trade back and then at the time before they even made their pick, they were offered from what it sounds like, um, from Nashville. It, the rumored package was Askarov, the 15th overall pick, I think is what they had, and then like the 24th. And so it's like now you've pretty much got Newhook and Rhinebacker, but like you could have had Askarov, and then you could have gotten a great player at uh, 15, a great player at 24, a great player at 31, and then a great player at whatever the other one was, 36, 37, 38. Like, yeah. so now there, there's a lot of pressure, I feel like, that's unnecessarily being put on, like, Newhook and Rhinebacker, based on, like, you know, the Canadians went after these guys when they could have had an abundance of, of great prospects coming up. So a lot of pressure is kind of on these two guys. Um, so it'll kind of be interesting to see how it, like, you know, kind of looking back five years, um, when we're five years in the future, looking back now. And seeing like, man, yeah. you know, how did these moves work out for Montreal? Um, but I mean, you know, getting Rhinebacker locked in already. Um, don't know where he's going to play, but it, the, the future is slowly looking more and more bright for Montreal. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think it, it's starting to look real good for him. Yeah. Yeah, especially that, that new hook deal. I think, I think that's actually going to pay off really big for them. I I think he's not only does he look like he's young and he's really good, but I think he fits their timeline perfectly. You know, he's yeah. he's young just like the rest of their core. He's he's gonna be a really good piece for them going forward if they can lock him up to a long term deal sooner rather than later. Well and even it's like last year we saw you know, they, they made that big move at the draft. Um you know trading Roman off to the Islanders, getting that first back, and then flipping that first for Kirby Doc. That changes scenery for Kirby Doc and getting that elevated role that he just wasn't able to get with call uh with Chicago, very similar to Newhook with Colorado, just wasn't able to get that elevated role and play where he belongs. You know, we saw Kirby Doc thrive with with Montreal, um being able to play in the role he's meant to play in. And so if they can do that with New Hook, like that could that can work out very well for them if they play it right. Yeah. They just gotta handle handle him right there and give him the opportunity to thrive where where he's meant to thrive. Yeah, you gotta you gotta play the player in the spot and in the role that suits their play style. And if exactly. he wasn't getting it in Chicago, well, Montreal's gonna get a great player for him then. Yeah, exactly, for sure. Uh, but that's gonna that's gonna wrap up our part one of the uh, free agency breakdown so far. 
Uh, we're yep. just a little under a week out from from uh, free agency day, and uh, hopefully, hopefully we get some more uh, breaking news while we're recording part two. Yeah, we'll wait and uh, we'll wait and uh, and uh, see what see what happens here. I uh, got anything? Yeah, I'm sure, it'll all be breaking news the end here. We talked about in the first part. Yeah. Uh, anything you want to add here at the end? Uh, not really. I guess just uh, listen to the next part if you're team comes after Montreal in the alphabet. Yeah, there we go. Boom. Works for me.